thank you, guys, for telling me that. That song doesn't stir your heart. If you're a believer, I would think you need to get right with the Lord today. And uh, it's talking about mission trips. I want you to pray for our son Nathan, his wife Rachel, and their daughter Chrisley, our granddaughter. Uh, they're headed on a mission trip, leave out Tuesday, and uh, northern Africa, and uh, at a kind of undisclosed location. So you guys, if y'all would, pray for Nathan, Rachel, and Chrisley. Uh, I'm telling you, all this mission going from friendship, praise God. Amen. Uh, we're not to be a warehouse. <clears throat> we're to be a distribution center. Amen. Uh, I got a whole sermon. I may need to preach that for a leave. Not a warehouse, but a distribution center. And that's exactly what we are. We're not to come here and sit on our on shelves and just act like waiting, but we're to be going out. So anyway, amen. Thank you all for the music, and it's good to see KK's family. I had the privilege of her coming to me after one of my sermons, and uh, I, I'll never forget it, Billy. She was... She said, Brother Burke, that was right where I am and right where I live. And, you know, it blessed my heart. She couldn't just sit there and not say it. So it's good to see the whole family. And I've just got to point out one of them, and that's Cedra. Uh, wave Cedra. She and I work together at AFR, AFA together. She, she takes all the phone calls that come in and decides whether I can answer them or not. So I stay on her good side. I don't want her to have any of those difficult calls uh, sent on to me. And uh, she, she is a blessing. We've got quite a few friends we know by name, by phone, right? And so anyway, it's good to see the whole family. Y'all are a blessing. It's been two hours gone last week. And a lot of things have happened. The shooting in Parkland, Florida, 17 people died, students and a teacher. Billy Graham dying, and can you imagine? I don't know. Uh, I've seen several little cartoons, good cartoons, about the people welcoming him into heaven because he preached the gospel. Those are awesome thoughts. The life of Billy Graham, dying at age 99, faithful to the end. Now, how in the world do you stay faithful to the end and not get on what I call the road of destruction? You don't own that road. The wide gate, it leads to destruction. It leads to hell. The narrow way, the narrow gate leads to life through Jesus Christ. And you want to make sure you're on that narrow way that Jesus Christ said, nope, body can come unto the Father but by me. There's no other way. There's no plan B, no plan C, only plan A, and that's through Christ. I hope you have chosen to go His way. I know He wants you to. But because of ignorance, selfishness, pride, a lot of people go down what I would call the road of destruction. I want to read part of a passage, not all of it, from Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and following. Romans 1, verse 18 and following. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness 
and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what be, may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his, God's, invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Now listen to this next phrase. So that they are without excuse. Nobody, absolutely nobody on the face of the earth will stand before God and give him an excuse that's sufficient to not to trust him. We're going to try to go through that and see that today as best we can. That's one of the most amazing things there without excuse. Because, now here's verse 21. Because although they knew God, knew about him, knew of him, they did not glorify him as God and were not thankful but then they would become futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God to an image made like corruptible man and birds, four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness. A, a good translation is gave them over. They were going that way and he took down all the barriers and the boundaries, and they went on in. I could keep on reading, but I'll get to them. But look at verse 26. God gave them up to vile affections. Then in verse 28, God gave them over to a debased mind or a reprobate mind. This is some of the most important scriptures in all the Bible. People ask, what about the people who have never heard? What about the people that have come so far but not come to Christ? I believe this passage answers it. I know that God is a God of love, and he puts stoplights or red lights all the way up saying, don't go any further down this road of destruction. Don't go any further. He puts it in our creation. He puts it in our mind, and he puts us in our, in our life. So let me share this with you, and I'll try to do it as, as simply as I can today, and I hope it will be understood. This process down the road of destruction starts with the rejection of God. Just rejecting God. Look at verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. They rejected what they knew of God. In other words, God gives everybody that's ever lived on the face of this earth at an age of accountability, at a certain age. We don't know exactly what age that is. For you, it may have been six years old. For some, it may be 18. For those who are mentally, completely mentally handicapped, it may never come. God takes care of them. I want you to know, I did a funeral several years ago of a young man called Bobby. And, and Bobby was... 50-something years old physically, mentally, he was five years old. And his dad went to the church where I pastored, and his mom would go to the Presbyterian church and because they would stay with Bobby every other week. And so Mr. Otis would only come, Mr. Otis Williams would only come every other Sunday. He's one of the finest men I ever known in my life. And, and so one would take care of Bobby because after he got 
a certain size and with this mentality, he couldn't sit in the sanctuary without it being such a distraction. So they would take times about keeping him home. They didn't complain, they just did it. And when it time came that Bobby died, I had the privilege of doing the funeral. There's no doubt in my mind, Bobby went to heaven. There's no doubt about that. That if you don't have the mental capability, God loves you and takes care of you. And so it was a privilege to do that and challenge those that had mental capability to know the difference between evil and good, to know the difference about the broad way and the narrow way, coming to Christ or going some other way. If you can understand that, you're accountable. You do not get a pass. You do not get, okay, you're all right, you're in heaven. No, you've got to come to a decision in your life whether you'll respond to the life that God has given you. He's given everybody creation. There's no way that anybody who has any kind of mentality at all and fairness at all will look at creation and not understand there's a creator. It's absolutely impossible to have design without a designer. And when you come to that decision, then God makes himself known. In other words, if you respond to the light that God gives you, God gives you more light. If you respond to that light, God gives you more light. But if you don't respond to the light that God has given you, God is not required to give you more light. Now, he usually does. Amen? Praise God for his mercy and grace. He usually gives us more and more light until we, those that do not glorify him, and you'll see this road of destruction that we're talking about now. But then he gives the God of conscience. One of the most amazing stories ever heard was those in World War II. The Germans who were, uh, they were trained and really they were born to be fighter pilots. And they taught them, leave God out of the conscience. Don't let God, they weren't necessarily atheists, but they were practically atheists. But when they would shoot them down, those that understood German those German pilots that were going down who had been taught anti-God, no God, no way God, it's on you, they would cry out to God as they were going down in the airplane as they could hear them on the radio. You see, when a person comes to that place in their life, that conscience, if it's not seared over, they understand that there's a God and he's making himself known unto you. God responds to that light and gives you more light. Let me give you a biblical example. I love biblical examples. They're always the best. Do you remember that the Ethiopian eunuch, he came to Jerusalem. He had heard that they believed that there was what? One God. So he comes to Jerusalem to worship. While he's there, he sees what's going on, the sacrifices, but he, he purchases a copy of the book or part of the book of Isaiah that we have today. And on his way back to Ethiopia, he was a wealthy man. He had a, someone to, to, you know, to drive the chariot. and he, could, he didn't have car sickness like me, so he could read and write at the same time. So he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And his heart was beyond measure and filled with desire. And God 
had Philip over here preaching to a wide group of people, and God took Philip. I believe, how many of you have ever seen, you know, Star Trek? And they would dissolve their body here, and then they would appear elsewhere. Now, I don't know for sure, but I, when I read that about Philip, it seems like he was here, and God transported him all the way over here to where the Ethiopian eunuch was and tell him about Jesus. Now, I don't know that for sure, but I do know God got him there. I don't know how God got him there. You got me? I don't know for sure how God got Philip from where he was to where the Ethiopian eunuch was, but he got him there. And what did he do? You remember what the, the Ethiopian eunuch asked? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And Philip began to speak and teach unto him Jesus. He trusted Jesus and he even got into baptism and he says, there's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And he was baptized and then he went on his way back to Ethiopia. Years later, when missionaries were going through Africa, they found a band of believers in Ethiopia that had trusted Jesus Christ for years and years and years. There's no doubt that Ethiopian eunuch took the message of Jesus Christ back to his country to let them know about Jesus. That's what God will do. God will make sure you have enough information to make a decision on so that when you stand before him, you will be without excuse. I didn't know. That's no excuse. I didn't believe. I, I, bought, the, I bought evolution in place of creation. That's no excuse. God made himself known unto mankind. The book of Hebrews makes it plain. He first gave himself in creation. He gave them the law. He gave them the angels. He gave them the prophets. But in the book of Hebrews, he says that in these last days, He's given to us the best clear answer there is. He's given us his son, Jesus. Today, no one in the sound of my voice in this room will stand before God with a legitimate excuse about not trusting Jesus. No one. Creation. You had to see it when you drove the trees. See animals. You see it. Conscience. You know the difference between evil and, and good. You know those. Those have come in. There's no excuse. So the first thing they did on this road to destruction is they rejected God. They professed themselves and they said no to God. Some are just not professing atheists. They're practical atheists. They, they believe that God exists but they live like God doesn't exist. Y'all know folks like that? Now, if you were to ask them, yeah, I believe God. I, I believe there's a God. Yeah, I even believe it's Jesus. But they live their lives practically like God doesn't exist. They live their lives for themselves totally. It's all about them. We call it narcissism in many folks. We thought, call it selfishness. We call it pride. But they live their entire life with them being the center of everything. They're denying God being the center. They are the center. Are you living that way, young people? Adults? In your own family, does everything you think revolve around you? 
doesn't. And when your family makes it revolve around you, they're doing you a disservice. They need to give you a wake-up call and let you know you're not God. He is. The first is rejecting God. Notice what it says. Verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, neither were they thankful. Let me give you a warning. I think one of the most severe sins that you and I could commit is unthankfulness. I want to tell you, I don't care what kind of life you've lived or what, it doesn't matter. My dad was a great storyteller. I love my dad's stories. And if your dad or somebody, your mom or somebody in your family is a great storyteller and they tell you those stories, get them on video. I, we waited nearly too late to get my dad's on video, but it came about and we took the uh, three boys up there and tried to set them on my dad's knee and him tell the stories that he told me when I was growing up. He was, it, Alzheimer's had just set in a little bit, but we could still get most of it. Now this is, if, if you don't like this, this, it's not, this story is not politically correct. I'll just give you a warning ahead of time. My dad was telling me about a church service he was in on Sunday nights. He said he didn't have anything else to do in those days. He went to church for entertainment. <laughs> and uh, he said this at this Methodist church up in Alcorn County. And they was having a, they was having a praise, Thanksgiving, testimonial service. And everybody was standing around talking about what God had done for everybody. And they were all shouting and praising God. And then this one guy came up, and again, this is not politically correct, but I'm going to tell it the way my dad tell it, okay? And if y'all get mad at me, it's your fault, not mine. He said there was this hair-lipped guy, freckles all over, and he got up and he said, Well, I'm glad he did that all for you. He nearly ruined me. Now, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. He nearly ruined me. I know some folks that feel that way. And if you're one of those that feels that way, do your dead level best to find something to be thankful for. If you're doing yourself a service and everybody around you, they don't care about being around a person that sour grapes 24-7. Lord, deliver me. Amen? Develop a thankful spirit. Develop that spirit of thankfulness that God would even let you live, that you're not in hell right now. My friend Bill Stafford, evangelist out of Chattanooga, says, we need to understand everything above hell is grace. If you're not in hell, you've got something to be thankful for right now. And if you're not going to heaven, you can make those reservations sure by trusting Christ. I've got to hurry here. Y'all are listening just entirely too good. Okay, The road to destruction begins by rejection of God, secondly, by dishonoring their body. Look at verse 24. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, dishonoring their body. Sexual sins is dishonoring the body God's given you. Young people, you need to stay sexually pure until you're married. 
Do I hear any amens? Whether you did that or not, that should be your goal for your children. That should be your goal for your grandchildren. When you dishonor yourself in sexual rage, it's impure. And, and it starts, well, you know why? It starts with unthankfulness. If I don't have anything to be thankful for, I can use my body for anything. You see how it connects? No, God desires us not to dishonor our bodies. Materialism. Remember over in 2 Timothy it says they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We love pleasure. We Look how much money. <coughs> I'm just going to throw this out. I never thought they would be stores entirely given over to animals. Being raised in the 50s and 60s, Walmart's wasn't even around when I started. It was Ben Franklin's Five and Dime. How many of you remember those? Yeah, a few of us. I thought that was a world all of its own. When I'd go to Boonville and go to Ben Franklin and see all those things, I said, wow, couldn't believe Walmart. And again, I don't mean to degrade your animals, your cat, your dog, your your whatever, your pig, whatever you have in your home. I don't have a pig. Okay. We eat them. <laughs> I'm sorry. But a dog, I mean, a store for nothing but animals. Did God not make them? Yes, he did. But I just want to tell you, priorities need to be set. It's more important to send these girls to the Dominican Republic and the Philippines than it is to buy your dog a coat. Do I hear amens? Our old means? Materialism. We've got it, and we're going to spend it on us. Well, I give 10%. Do you know how much is God's? All of it. It's not what you give away. It's how much you keep that tells more about you than anything. Dishonoring your bodies with false beliefs. We will either justify our actions or confess our actions. And when we start justifying our wrong actions, we are dishonoring our body. We're dishonoring the God who made us. The road to destruction, rejection of God, dishonoring our body. Thirdly, look at verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile affections. The word vile means unnatural. For even their women exchange the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. Perversion of their purpose. Are you perverting the purpose for which God made you? God made you either male or female. That was assigned to you at birth. Transgenderism being taught in schools and universities and put out by political pundits is a detriment against God's design. You see, 
when you pervert your purpose, you'll lose your identity. We were made for higher things than this. When a church, you remember, those of you in Sunday school remember me saying this, because of a church fuss, the first 10 years of my life, I was not in church. My dad and mom got out of church because of a church fuss, and they said, if that's what it's like, we don't want it for a while. For 10 years, the first 10 years of my life, I did not attend church. What happens is when we go against God, we lose our identity, and a church can forget its purpose. Our purpose is not a country club mentality. Our purpose is to glorify Jesus and make his name known to the whole world. That's it. Every, every church, every church, evangelical church, ought to have this theme is to know him and to make him known. That's it. I don't care how else you cut the pie, how else you slice the meat, that's it. We're to know him and to make him known to everybody we can. That's pretty simple, isn't it? You can't find fault with it. We're to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. We're to know him and we're to make him known to others. We're to share him with our life, our words, our deeds. Don't lose your identity. And then, when you do that, when you lose your identity and your purpose, abuse will be accepted. Look at 27b. It says, and men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. Abuse will become acceptable. Abuse, physical abuse, is so hideous and so horrible. Men mistreating their wives, and in some cases, yes, I've heard of wives, wives abusing their husbands. Very few, but that does occur. Abusing children. Have you noticed children that are abused have a greater tendency to abuse their own children? Why is that? Because regardless of what is familiar, we tend to gravitate to the familiar, whatever that familiar might be. You're comfortable with the familiar. You're comfortable with being lambasted and being cussed out to be, be thought of. That's what you put up with as a child, and therefore that's familiar. I didn't say it was comfortable, but it's familiar. And we have a tendency to go toward the familiar. You need to, if you have that in your life, abuse, identity crisis, you need to break the chains and come to Christ. You need to let him identify who you are. You're created for purpose. You're created to glorify him. Do not pervert your purpose that God has for you. Finally, after we do that, look at verse 28. Being filled with all, uh, yeah, 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not fitting. Look over at the last verse in chapter 1. 
who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do those things, but they approve of those who practice them. This is not just talking about an individual, but it's also talking about a society. A society that goes down this road of destruction. When you look at that word in verse 32, approve of those things who practice them, another translation is promote it. Promote it. We're living in a day when many schools, colleges, political parties are not approving of gender crisis, of same-sex marriage, killing babies in the womb, killing elderly people who have no more value, they not only approve it, they're promoting it. They're wanting the church to join them in this perversion. You got it? And they take us to court when we don't. They call us haters when we don't. That's the world we live in. It's a difficult world. So what do you do? When you're going down the road of destruction, what do you do? You put the brakes on. You put the brakes on and you turn around and go the other way. That's why we're praying for revival in America. I don't care who we elect president, who we elect in Congress, who we elect to be sheriff, who we elect to be the governor, who we elect to be the supervisor. I want to just tell you, the direction of our country is going downstream fast. Have you found out it's hard to reroute a river? Have you ever gone over the Delta? and be on this side of the Mississippi and be in Arkansas? You know, you can, don't you? Look at a map of Mississippi and Arkansas and Louisiana, and you'll see where the Mississippi River used to run and where it runs now. And part of it is because of the Arkansas state line and the Mississippi River cut it off, and now part of a little bit of Arkansas is on the Mississippi the east side of the Mississippi River. And part of Mississippi is over there in Arkansas. I'd hate to be born in one of those places. But it's rerouting the river. It's hard to do, but it can be done. And what I'm asking you to do, first look at your life. Are you headed down this road of destruction? Are you unthankful? Be careful. Are you responding to God, the part that he's revealed to you? Have you come to him as Savior and Lord? Have you identified yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm going to act like it? I'm not going to act like the world. I'm going to act like Christ. I'm not going to use language that is inappropriate. I'm not going to dress with summer coming on. I'm not going to dress as a female. You say I'm not going to dress in a provocative way. No, I want to be identified with Christ. I don't want to be identified with the ways of the world. I want to be identified with the ways of Jesus Christ. 
I want to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And then you're praying, Lord, use me for my family, for my church, for my community, for my state, for my nation, for my world, to keep them from going down this road of destruction. And it happens one person at a time. Amen? One person saying, I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be willing to go to a mission, Dominican Republic, the Philippines, Northern Africa. I'm willing to go anywhere, anytime, any place that you want me to go, Lord. I'm ready. Because I've got a relationship with you. There's a time in my life where I saw myself as a sinner, lost and undone, and that Jesus died on the cross for me, and I repented, I turned away from my sin, I surrendered my life to Jesus, and he's come into my life, and now I want to follow him for the rest of my life. doesn't matter how old you are. You can be 90 years old, or you can be 9 years old. And you come to Christ and say, Christ, I'm yours. Lock, stock, and barrel. I hold nothing in reserve. I'm all yours. I pray you do that. That's the safe way not to go down this road of destruction that ends in hell. Would you come to Christ today? That's my prayer for you. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. I I do not know how I could make it any straighter, any plainer. But Father, your Holy Spirit can take your word and even my words and he can put it in the heart of those who are listening today and let them examine themselves to make sure that they've been born again. And if there's anyone that's headed down this road of destruction, I pray they'd put the brakes on. I pray, I pray Father, they'd say, man, I don't need to do this sexual sin. I don't need to abuse these drugs. I don't need this illicit relationship outside of marriage. I don't need to view this website on my computer. I don't need to make this phone call. Father, whatever it is, I pray today they'd put the brakes on. They'd repent, turn around, and head toward you. Father, if there's anyone here who's lost, they're without Christ. And I feel like there is. There wouldn't be a crowd this big without someone coming in. And they don't have that real relationship with Jesus. I pray today they would come to Christ. In his name we pray.